0: Hi everyone, it's Carolyn Brown here. Now you may notice that Naishad's not here today, but I'm gonna do my best to fill in. And actually I've taken over his account. So Nami and I are just gonna have a good time on this (laughs) today. Um, Welcome to Career Care Package. Today we're talking interviews and um, we're talking to Nami Thabapile. Now Nami's got um, a company called Nami Tea and she's an experienced uh, interview coach and career coach, and when nation and I learned that she'd actually interviewed 4,887 candidates, we thought she'd be a fantastic person to speak to about what your interview is really thinking, how you can nail that interview, how you can impress that interview, or even how you can blow that interview. <laughs> so um, thank you very much for joining us today. Nami, I reckon a great place to start so people can understand where you're coming from is maybe just give people a background about um, you know who you are and how you came to be doing what you do now.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Look, thanks for so much for having me on here, Caroline. It's much appreciated. Um, Look, I've had such a varied background. As we were speaking offline, I've got a VA in stats. Started off in a legal firm, doing you know, thought I'd become a lawyer. That didn't quite work out. (laughs) Went and started working for Deutsche Bank, which was a lot of fun. Um, Moved to London for a couple of years, so did that whole two years work holiday thing with them. Came back to Sydney during the height of the GFC, so nobody wanted to hire any bankers, and literally fell into health recruitment, um, where I was actually with, I guess they'd call themselves a startup medical recruitment firm was with them, I've moved on and I've worked with the likes of Robert Walters, I've also worked with not-for-profit recruitment firms. Uh, Then when I had my son and thought, okay, now it's time to try doing it for myself and have had a successful medical recruitment firm prior to this, recruiting for doctors and allied health. Um, And through that, what I realized is the one thing I love doing is interviews and I love coaching, coaching people on interviews, what they should do, what they shouldn't do. Um, You're right, how they can definitely blow. (laughs) 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 Um, And so, you know, hence decided to really further go further down the path of being an interview confidence coach and it's kind of landed me where I am today. Wow, yeah, it's
0: interesting. I Just go back to what you said about recruitment. I reckon everybody falls into recruitment. It's, <laughs> I don't think people wake up and go, "Gosh, I want to be a recruitment consultant." So, and some people love it, and some people people don't. But you must have enjoyed it to to continue down that path for. Oh, absolutely. Sorry, absolutely.
1: Um, yeah, you're right. Most people do actually fall into it, and it's funny the stories you hear. Yeah. Um, but look, I, I love. Like I said, I love interviews. I love coaching. I love training people. Um, The joy, and as cliche as it's going to sound, the joy you get when you actually place somebody in a role Mm. that they, you can genuinely hear the happiness in the voice because it's been a struggle for them. Um, All that kind of gets the juices flowing. Um, So, yeah, I love love
0: recruitment and kind of all things recruitment. Yeah. Yeah had a question says, can anybody give me some background on today? So yes, I better give you a better background than probably what I did in the introduction. We're talking interviews. So how to nail your interview, how to not nail your interview, um, how interviews have changed, all those sorts of things. And I guess like, one of the things I wanted to really go through with you, Nami, is a lot of the like, I guess the myths and myth- misconceptions that people have um, in interviews. So. One of the questions I have is what makes somebody really stand out to you in an interview?
1: Look, that's a great question. One of the best things, well, one of the biggest things that stand out to me is actually somebody's attitude. Yeah. Um, The resume is one thing, and I've always told people this, do not downplay the importance of your resume, no matter how you get through to the interview, whether it's through a reference, referral, whatever it is. Um, Resumes are quite key, and, in fact, interviewers will rely on your resume a lot when they're trying to interview and find out. Um, yeah. I tend to judge people a lot on the way they come across, whether you know they're confident in their answers, whether they're kind of like umming and ah-ing, Um, and you can gain a lot by the way they answer, whether it's quite rehearsed and very structured um, mm-hmm. or whether it's a very natural flow. In other words, they may not be confident But the way they're presenting it, you know that it's quite genuine, um, and they're very go like they're very go getters, and so that's that's usually what tends to stand out for me is the softer
0: skills rather than what the question that's being answered at the time. Yeah. So they can be nervous, but maybe they know their stuff. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah, hundred percent. And can you pick when people give those pat sort of rehearsed answers?
1: Yeah, surprisingly, you, it is, um, especially if you've been interviewing for quite some time, you'll know when somebody's gone and sat down and rehearsed an answer or even just gone on Google and gone Google, how do we answer this? And Google's yeah. given them an answer. Um, yeah. The main way is because I will tend to ask the same question in a lot of different ways. Um, yeah. And notwithstanding that most good Uh, interviewers will actually probe the answer that you give them. So even though it's a competency-based question um, and you say, you know, I did this at work and this happened, blah, 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 they will actually tend to probe um, and say, oh, tell me a little bit about, that was quite interesting, tell me a little bit more about that. So if it's a rehearsed, packed answer that they haven't, that hasn't actually genuinely happened to them, it will
0: unravel very, very quickly. With some targeted sort of backup questions correct just speaking of questions if you've got questions fire away um will nami and i mainly mainly nami because she's under the spotlight not me is (laughs) we'll be happy to answer them so okay so another thing is that i hear people say is that they feel like the interviewer has made their mind up pretty quickly about them and they can't retrieve that that situation in interview do you reckon interviewers make their mind up pretty quickly within an interview?
1: Yeah, it's quite cliche um, when people say, you know, first impressions count, but funnily enough, it really does. So from the minute, and it is quite judgmental, but I guess that's human nature, from the minute I meet somebody or the second I meet somebody, your mind is going to start being made up, yep, I want to find out more about this person or... Something not quite right about the way they present themselves. Yeah. Um, and look, it's not necessarily what you say either. So, body language plays a huge part. Yeah. Um, that's something I coach my students on as well. You know, the way you come across, whether you're smiling, whether you're angry, whether you're, you know, everything at all plays a big part. So, yes, sad as it is to say, you do make your mind up very quickly.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, however, in saying that, look, if they can, everybody can turn an interview around. Um, yeah. They may present themselves quite badly at the beginning and to be fair, that could just be nerves playing a huge, huge part. Mm. But if they can settle themselves down, whether it is by, you know, just asking for a cup of water, just to kind of calm down um, and answer the questions that we, that they're being asked, yeah. then I, I think it's very possible to always turn an interview around yeah unless of course unfortunately sometimes people do make up their mind and aren't willing to be you know have their mind changed most of the time you can always change it around
0: yeah no that's good to hear because um you know you do hear those tales of well I hear from people who've gone for jobs all the time that they went in and they thought the job was already filled or that they they felt like they're on the interrogation table and You know, I guess a a good interviewer is really about just getting to know you and it's a mutual assessment of your fit for that role. So um, what about um, nerves? So is it okay to say you're nervous to your um, interviewer?
1: That's a really good question, actually, and one that's been coming up quite a lot lately. Uh, My opinion about everything is just be honest. I would rather my candidates turn up and go, I'm really sorry, I'm a little bit nervous or I've got the nerves going um, because at least then I know where they're coming from. And it's not as though they're trying to hide something from me or, you know, there's something cunning going on. It's just they are that nervous. Um, And genuinely if people are nervous, look, within the first 30 seconds to a minute, they should be able to calm down. Um, As I said, if they're a good, the person interviewing them is a good interviewer or a somebody that knows what they're doing, they should be able to put that person at ease within the first couple of minutes anyway. Um, And then, yeah, absolutely. I've never found anything wrong with turning up and saying, look, I'm a little bit nervous. I do apologize. Um, I think it just sets the tone. And and it kind of gives an insight to the type of person as well, because it means that they're willing to be honest about something like that mm. um, rather than kind of hide it back so for me it just creates a bigger impression of the
0: type of person they are. Mm. I've got a question um, from Ram but before I ask you that I just want to ask you one more question around nerves what's a good way to actually overcome those like how do you coach people on overcoming nurse? I think the act of getting coaching helps obviously but is there anything sort of specific that works
1: yeah look i always say whether it's face to face or obviously nowadays on video turn up five minutes early yeah um, just have a cup of water there because for some reason the art of just drinking something before kind of tends to settle your nerves and then a few breathing exercises just to you know just count in breathe in breathe out um hmm. just really simple things but you'll find that it will just tend to calm you down. Another Mm. thing i say is, look, obviously you've practised some answers, so Mm. take a notebook with you when you go, or obviously if you're in front of your computer, have that there, and just read through a couple of them just to cement in your mind, look, I do know what I'm doing, Mm. I do know where I'm coming from, Um, and just it's that self-assurance that you kind of need and that's what kind of settles the nerves down. So those are kind of a few tips that I tell um, mm. my guys when they're going in.
0: Yeah. And I guess it's not beat yourself up for being nervous. I, Absolutely. You know, we were talking about actually being nervous before coming on onto this and I I've I said to you, you know, I don't think I'm nervous, but the half hour before I come on, I find it difficult to do anything that requires detailed or concentrated thinking. So, yeah. Um, yeah. All right. So we've got a question from Ram and He's, he says, uh, how do you tackle the issue of a senior professional sitting in front of a less experienced recruiter or hiring manager, as this sometimes impacts the candidate a little?
1: Good question. Um Very good
0: question. Yeah.
1: <laughs> well done. Thanks, um, man. Look, I, I think it, it actually happens quite a lot, believe it yeah. or not, especially with um, senior professionals. Most of them mm. will tend to be more experienced than their recruiters because most recruiters aren't from the industry. It's only if they come from the industry will they potentially be of the same level as a senior professional. Um, in terms of tackling it, not quite sure what you mean. If it's coming across that the recruiter is doesn't know what they're talking about um, or which is what I'm kind of gathering you're asking me. They don't know what questions to ask you or they're asking you questions that as a professional you're going, shouldn't you know that? Look, Mm. that is quite tough because you never want to get on the wrong side of a recruiter ever. Mm. Um, But it is always great to say, look, how much do you actually know? How much have Mm. you actually read? Um, You know, what's going on? That kind of thing. And they should be able to, you know, kind of let you know and go, look, I'm sorry, I'm new to this, I'm not really sure what's going on. But Mm. apart from that, there's really no way of um, kind of being able to tackle that you know more than the recruiter because that Mm. will most likely happen in a lot of circumstances.
0: I think one of the criticisms of the recruitment industry has been that there have been a lot of people that, young younger people it sounds terrible in ages but people that are younger and less experienced in that industry interviewing um senior people and i guess it's like you've got to respect everybody in that process and you may well be your boss might be um younger than you so um you know it's it's about just realizing maybe the level that you're working with as well do you know what i mean so yeah um, absolutely yeah okay we've got another question from tara which is a really good question um and not to say that rams wasn't that was an excellent question to ram um what are some of the tips you give to people when english is their second language and they may not necessarily be confident with their interview skills that's yeah Yeah. that's a great
1: question and a lot of my clients, funnily enough, are people from non-English speaking backgrounds um, and they come to me because they're worried about their communication skills. Mm. Look, I think number one is practice. Either get a, a coach to practice with beforehand or do a mock video interviews with friends so they can, you know, you get more confident. Um, mm. But even when you get there, they the interviewer will know straight away from, you know, the minute you open your mouth on how you're communicating and the type of communication skills you have. So I wouldn't really let that affect you. Um, If if there's something in an interview that you don't understand because the English language is a barrier, ask. That's Mm. one fundamental thing I always say, always ask for clarification. Mm. Um, It's better to ask for clarification rather than making up an answer to something you think they've asked and it's something totally not related uh, mm. because then it just comes across as you lying. So you're better off saying, look, I'm really sorry, I don't understand the question. Can mm. you please rephrase it? Mm. Uh, and I think that comes across as a lot better than that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think it's a fear too because, you know, I don't speak any other language other than English. But I know if you're speaking English as a second language, you're translating, so your native tongue is in your head and you're always... But you can be a great communicator without having great English. And I reckon, you know, it is that sort of how well you listen, how well you want to engage, how well you want to make sure that you're understood and all of those sorts of things. And, um, yeah, I think, yeah, it's I think people that have come from a second, you know, English, not their native language, beat themselves up maybe a bit more than they need they need to in in that scenario so and we're a very multicultural society now too so we're used to um you know all sorts of accents and so forth as well so yeah okay uh do you want one of my questions or one of the audience's questions (laughs) 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 all right so this is more of a comment Um, Oh no maybe it's a question uh they're jumping around they're coming through thinking fast okay um i have a good sense of humor but never use it in interviews as i feel that i could be seen as somebody who's not serious enough your thoughts i love
1: people with a good sense of humor yeah um as you can see i'm very rarely (laughs) not (laughs) laughing or smiling um but look i think where appropriate putting in like having a bit of sense of humor is fantastic the one of the worst interviews to have is just somebody that's so dry and monotonous and ugh. Because remember, um, and I think, Karen you pointed to this before, an interview is a two-way process. Yeah. It's not just about you selling to them. They need to sell to you as well. And if somebody can't take your sense of humour at an interview, then if that's going to be somebody that you're going to be working with quite closely, then once you start work, it's just going to be kind of weird Mm. um so you want your natural personality to shine through um Mm. obviously you know without turning it into a comic act but Mm. you want that personality to shine through and you want them to hire you because of your personality not because of a personality you put on them Mm. and there because good on you you'll get the job but then what happens you know one month two months down the track there's only so long you can stifle yourself um, so, I think having a great sense of humour and, and bringing that across in an interview is fantastic.
0: Mm. It's a funny thing. Like uh, years and years ago, I wrote an article for The Australian about um, what interviews foretell. So, what you could tell from the interview process about the organisation. I remember an interview that I had, or well, two that really stand out. One was poker face. So, got nothing back from from the interviewer what are you and here's me picking your brains now what are your tips around that oh they drive me insane <laughs> <laughs> I've,
1: I've had that type of interview where you're like you come out and you call the recruiter and you're like so and they're like what did you think and they're like you're like I don't know I couldn't tell yeah. um, I actually find those kind of um, interviewers quite nerve-wracking as a candidate yeah. um, because you like I said, body language plays such an important role. And when they're poker face, you you can't feed off them. And, you know, a lot of interviews you need to be able to feed off each other because, like I said, you're going to be working with this person potentially. So mm-hmm. in an interview, if you can't read that person or you can't work off that person, mm-hmm. it's kind of nerve-wracking and there's really during the interview process there's really nothing you can do about it you just kind of got to sit there and go you know what I've prepared for this I'm mm. going to answer it to the best of my ability and then yeah. whatever happens yeah. happens
0: but yeah, yeah it, it, I do not like those type of <laughs> interviewers well, so like, like, into a combat, uh, combative process doesn't it it's like you prove I've got this 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 speak to the hand and you prove to the hand yeah that you're you're who you say and that's Again, yeah, not the purpose of the interview. Okay, we have a question from Anthony. Um, okay, so what do you feel is more important? Competency uh, or alignment to organization, purpose and culture? Okay, great. That's one part and then I'll probably um, go into the, so yeah, is it is it your competency or is it your alignment to the culture and the, the values um, of the organization that's more important?
1: Look, look, it's gonna depend on the role.
0: Yeah um
1: sometimes and this this plays out quite a lot especially with people that are career transitioning they may not necessarily have the skill set or the competency as we say that's needed but they've got transitional skills um so it is going to depend on the role but i believe that if somebody has a really good attitude about them um they can jump in and learn pretty much most things um obviously certain jobs and things that that that's not suitable for Um, however even if you are transitioning there has to be an element of competency to what you're going to be bringing across Mm. and your competency-based answers um even though you're not going for the role that you were in previously you'll be able to show there are some forms of competency that you can bring across um, and that you can add to the job. So I think they actually work hand in hand um, and they should be working hand in hand. You cannot have one without the other.
0: Yeah, great answer. Okay, the second part of um, Anthony's question, and I hope I haven't messed this up, dividing it into two parts. But um, So Anthony's saying competency assessment is relatively easy. Um, Yeah, it suggests good behavioural interview or... And other assessments will help you pick that up. Um, how do you uh, how do you interview to determine per, a purpose cultural alignment? Um, yeah. So, what are some of those questions or processes an interviewer might do to determine a cultural alignment to an organisation? What, what Look, I term- actually
1: think it's more the candidate that will ask the cultural alignment questions. To be honest, yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. Most. Interviewers out there do not know how to ask a so called cultural based question so for them the cultural base will be um, they 'll try and garnish that from the competency based questions that they 've asked and mm-hmm. also how I said how you present yourself whether you you know you crack a smile every now and again, your body language all of that and look gut instincts um, plays a big part as well with some interviewers, and that 's how they kind of go. Yeah, I think you'd be a really good fit, and but also mm. why some people tend to have rounds two, rounds three and round four because they're that's sure. what they're trying to garnish. Um, yeah. As a candidate, that is where you can, go, like, find out the cultural alignment and you want to be as straightforward um, as saying, can you please explain the culture of this firm? More importantly, yeah. the culture and the team that I'll be working for mm. and Get them to answer that, so they could say, "Yeah, you know, it's a it's a millennial group of people." Or we like to go out for drinks on a Friday night. We like to go out for lunch. Or it could be as simple as, "Look, we just come in, get our work done. Uh, if you go out for lunch, you go out for lunch. If not, we go home." Um, mm. Yeah, we have professional development. So it that's kind of how you would gain insight into the culture um, mm. at the actual interview stage. Obviously. Before that, you would have tried to do your research and look at places like Glassdoor um, mm. and other sites that actually talk about company cultures for some of the from the larger companies, I'd say.
0: Yeah. It's funny that because you, um, there are little clues along the way too, aren't there? Like, you know, the extended interview process or yeah. negotiation over salary at the end versus being up front at the start or you know, how you walk into the reception and somebody's expecting you there and, you know, yeah. how, like they're just, I think you probably, just as much as um, companies might have red flags over you, you can have those same sort of um, red flags. So, yeah. Um Yeah, actually, Ram's made a comment here, which I think is a great comment about culture. A, a good question could be getting an understanding of their learning and development programs. So be quite, like, specific around you know how they're developing staff and you know what their review process is and that can give you an indication of how seriously they take those sorts of sorts of absolutely
1: absolutely
0: um so anybody got any more questions please keep them coming i've got a few more half a dozen dozens more to ask so um i have a theory about this you know when if when you're interviewing a lot of people, do you remember the people, the person you interview more at the start of the day or the end of the day? If you've got, say, seven that you're doing in a day, well, yeah, not, nineteen, however many. <laughs> <laughs> um.
1: But that's actually quite interesting because people do have their preferences on that. Some people remember the first person they did. Some people remember the last person they did. I think the last person will always stand out just because that is the last person. Mm. Um, but personally, I guess because I always take notes throughout the day, if a candidate's a good candidate, whether they're at the start, middle, wherever, they mm. will always stick out Um mm. And funnily enough, they will become the benchmark for the rest of the candidates that you Mm. interview. Um, So I personally can't say whether or not you're better. Um, For me, it's who you are is who you are. Um, Mm. And if you're going to stand out, you will stand out and predominantly, 100% of the time, you will find people being benchmarked across other Mm -hmm. candidates, which is why I guess some people say, I got the feeling that they've already filled this role and I was just filling in time. It's not necessarily that. It Mm. could just be they've met their ideal candidate either on that day or the day before and they're kind of going, right, that's my benchmark. Now, where are you in terms of that benchmark? Mm. Um, And that can sometimes come across as, hey, we've already pre-filled the role,
0: so you're a waste of time. Mm. It is hard, isn't it? I'm just reflecting because when you meet that first person, like you, you, you've you got the job description, you've got the resume, you've got your questions, you kind of know you know the, what you want to assess out of all that. But it does take a little bit of time to get a feel for, um, because the candidate often is the expert in their subject matter. And you're, you might be the first recruiter and there might be a line manager further on or whatever. So it does take a little while to get a feel for a, a really meaty, good, solid, this is the the standard that we're looking for type answer. So, and maybe I'm just thinking out loud here, feel free to disagree, but um, that's difficult for the first person sometimes. Um, Yeah.
1: Yeah, I mean, and I think this is what I was saying earlier. Um, This is where your resume can really play a big part because I know a lot of the times when I was, as a recruiter, when I was going through it, uh, the minute you see a really good resume, so on paper they sound really good. Mm. You kind of are excited to meet that person and see what's mm. going to come from that person. So if you've got a really good resume that excites an interviewer, whether you're where you are in the line doesn't really matter. It's just they're excited to meet you and find mm. out more and actually get to see whether how you're presenting on paper is really who you are? um, Or is that just, you know, something that you've got a resume right or somebody to write up for you? And really, you're a little bit different to that. So that's why I also keep saying interviews are great, but you want to have a really good resume at the same point, because Mm. that's what gets them excited. And funnily enough, that's what keeps them excited.
0: Mm. It's interesting that because, um, you know, there's lots, I mean, I work with people to develop their their resume and it's so much try and make it a collaborative process because you don't you've got to look and sound like your resume and if yeah. you google a whole bunch of buzzwords or keywords or say this and you'll sound fantastic that might sound fantastic but that's probably not you like yeah you know you've got your own unique expression your own unique um, uh, values and where you want to go and so forth that um, you know, you want to be that person representative. You know, you don't really want to surprise that that person. It's like going on a bad Tinder date. Not that I've ever done that. Just using an analogy. So. <laughs> Very well um, said. <laughs> okay. All right. Um, okay. So another comment from Lahiri. Um, I think KB. Me question is about psychological state with the interviewer during the day. Yeah. Interviewers are people too. Mm. Yeah. So make it easy for them. Be nice. <laughs> well, how do you, um, actually, here's a question from Achita, um, for a recent graduate, what makes a uh, resume stand out for you? Look, Great
1: question. I'm guessing as a recent graduate, they probably don't have much local experience either. Um, so the way what would stand out to me in a resume is what extracurricular activities have you done? Um, yeah. Have you gone out and volunteered somewhere so you've gained experience through volunteering? Even in your, whether it's your business school or your university, there's ac- extra activities that you can get involved in. Um, and that to me shows the per- who that person is as a whole. And, mm. you know, when you ask competency-based questions, and I train graduates on this all the time, when you ask competency-based questions, you don't just need to rely on your professional life. You've mm. got a whole skill set and a whole range. And if you've got to, you know, garnish something from your volunteer experience or, hey, at uni, I was a part of a project. And as that project, I, you know, I was part of a team. So there's other parts of your uni degree that you can kind of rely on. Mm. And you've just got to make sure that you make those things shine. Through mm. your resume, and that will help you stand out. Um, I guess as a as a graduate versus somebody with a little bit more experience who've got more professional mm. experiences to draw on.
0: It's yeah, it's, it's that level of self awareness about how that helps. Um, you know how that helps position you or what that relevance to the job, and and plus being a broader person than you know just just your job description as well. All right, the questions are flying thick and fast here. So we have, okay, from pretty, is it good to show the enthusiasm and motivation in the interview? I mean, uh, by the way you are and having a smiling face. Uh, 100%.
1: (laughs) Please be dull and boring. (laughs) Um, Look, as I said, you can tell from me, I, you know, for me, it's all about vibrancy. It's all about personality. Um, and, Carolyn, you said this before, interviewers are human too. We mm. want a little bit of spark in our day when we're interviewing our candidates. <laughs> we don't want to be met with dull and boring. Um, yeah. And more importantly, we're never going to hire somebody that's dull and boring. Mm. Um, no, matter what, what, no matter what your job is, you, if you're dull and boring, you're going to be at the bottom of the pile. Mm. Um, so absolutely, please show through your personality. Please smile. Um, crack a joke here here and there if appropriate. Um, But, yeah, you need to show your sense of personality because they need to know who they're hiring. Um, And once again, and that's why I say the flip is true as well, you want the interviewer to show their personality because, hey, that's who you're going to be working for eventually.
0: Yeah, exactly. All right, question from Jane. Um, Is it important to have a rating system and accompanying notes for uh, each interview so panel can provide feedback? Uh, but also remember an individual for the suitability of the position. So I think Jane's talking from, I hope so, uh, sounds and like from an interviewer perspective and mm. how to, you know, have that consistency. So do you see, is, it, is that what a lot of, I know government does a lot, have the competency and, you know, like a matrix, but is that fairly common across the board?
1: Uh, not so much in the private sector. Um, The way I would suggest doing that, and this is what I used to do because I used to recruit for call centres at one point so we would be seeing a flood of candidates during (laughs) the day (laughs) so you can understand how many candidates you saw. Um, Look, I made sure my questions were all the same. Nobody got asked any question that the next person didn't. Uh, I wouldn't really rate them at the time, but I would kind of be putting a star or something on the top of their resume or wherever it is that you're writing the answers to these questions to say look that person stood out um this person kind of didn't so in a a sense yeah you can have a rating system Um, but the key to it is have the consistency of questions across all of them um Um, your life as easy as possible as an interviewer so you know whatever's going to work for you if if having a matrix system and going look that person was a five that person was a six um then awesome if it's something as simple as a line a hashtag whatever it is to go that person was awesome or even having two simple piles of i want to interview that person again and no way do i want to see that person again then that's gonna work um as Mm. well so you know make your life as easy as possible like interviewing is not the easiest job on the planet and not always (laughs) the most fun um and and people tend to forget that so Mm. yeah make your life as easy as possible whatever's going to work for you is going to work for you excellent
0: all right um let me just have a quick read through these um I'm not sure if we can answer this one, Sumit. I've never tried out of India for any job. I have good skills and I know I can make it. Can you please let me know if I should apply for jobs outside Indian, for the jobs outside Indian jobs? I guess it's applying here or outside your, your country. Yeah. Or, or wherever. So, um, yeah, it's a tough one.
1: That's a tough one. I think it's going to depend on the industry. Um, Obviously, here in Australia, there's a few job shortages where we're screaming out for people. Um, You know, like I said, being a previous medical background, I can definitely say we need some more um, people from the medical profession. Uh, Absolutely. Look, I don't think anything should ever stop you from trying to apply outside of your home country, especially if you've got the skill set that you believe are going to be beneficial or you need to move for whatever personal reason. Uh, I'm never going to tell anyone to not reach their full potential Mm. Um, just kind of be mindful that yes you may potentially get rejections um, Mm. because you are competing against the local market unfortunately but keep your head up keep your chin up keep applying Um, if it's not working get in touch with a local recruiter who knows the market Uh, get in touch with a career coach get in touch with an interview coach Um, get some local market feedback because resumes and interviews that are being done internationally are a bit different to the way the local market does it so you Mm. want to have somebody on the ground that knows what they're doing that can maybe provide you with a little bit more advice so Mm. that helps
0: yeah no that's yeah excellent i was looking at the job scan um website where people you can scan your resume for keywords and i I just used the free version. I was interested to see how a resume matched up to an advert. And they, one of the th- things they had like was resumes in Australia are longer than mm. other other places. And I thought that was an interesting thing for them to call out. And I think it, as a general rule, um, they are. So I know with some of my clients, um, if they've been overseas, a lot of before they've come to Australia, they've done some networking. So you know they've used LinkedIn to see. Um, who might, who that might be second degree connections and use introductions or they've reached out to recruiters or, and that, I guess the question is quite situational, like you say, to, you know, what job you're applying for because there are definitely skills that we have and skills that are in demand and, um, you know, you do obviously need a recruit um, migration agent to help you with all of that, you know, that type of advice as well, so... All right, I reckon we can sneak in a couple more session uh, questions. I haven't got any more from the audience, but I've got some awful ones here for you. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, they're very nice questions. Um, have you seen any changes in interviewing um, due to COVID-19? So are people doing anything differently during this period?
1: Yeah, I'm, I don't think people are doing things differently, but what I have noticed is the general acceptance around... People being made redundant, uh, yeah. people jumping, um, even career gaps right now yeah. are becoming a lot more accepted, and people aren't being. I'm gonna, I'm gonna provide that with given you have a genuine reason, um, mm. people aren't automatically being put on the rejected line because they've got a career gap or because they've been made redundant. Um, mm unfortunately they've just been let go, um, yeah. it's it's a lot more accepted now and it's something that the interviewers are going, you know what, let's give them a chance to find out why there's an employment gap or why they've been let go, what happened. Um, let's give them that benefit of the doubt before we move on.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think there seems to be, a, on my, my take and, you know, is probably more empathy because everybody's jobs are a little bit insecure including a lot of recruiters that have lost their job i mean these times really hit the recruit the you know the recruitment industry itself yeah. so yeah. um you know, you know you tend to well, most people have more empathy once they've gone through a situation um as well so all right question from Southerners. um how much uh, having local experience is important to get the job you that you really deserve? So how important, important is local experience? <laughs> look, once again <laughs> How do you get one to you? <laughs>
1: <laughs> They're asking me all the tricky ones this afternoon. I know. <laughs> uh, look, that's unfortunately not most circumstances local experience will trump overseas experience. Mm. Now, I'm gonna proviso that by saying. If your local experience is 10 times better than somebody with local experience, sorry, your overseas experience is better than someone with local experience, you will get a look in the door. Um, You just need to be able to highlight your skills in a way that's going to put it in the best light. But if you're going somebody who's equivalent on paper from local versus somebody that's equivalent on paper from overseas, unfortunately, um, the local guy will get a look over than somebody from overseas. Um, mm. But once again, it's how you position yourself and it's quite subjective on the role you're going for. Mm. And, look, uh, to be fair, very rarely do you have find fine people that are absolutely 100% equal on paper. Um, mm. So it's going to be how you highlight your skill sets mm. and and even show, look, even though you've been in Australia and haven't had a local experience, have you made an effort to go out and get some volunteer experience and get yourself, you know, local experience doing some volunteer work, even if it's not paid? Mm. Even that will give you a little bit of a step above than somebody who's only had, you know, overseas experience and then come and sat in Australia um, mm. and just been trying to apply and apply and apply and apply not getting anywhere um, because whether you're from overseas or whether you're local, your skill set will get stale um and recruiters will look at that as well
0: yeah Yeah, it's an interesting one I remember years ago I had a client who was from Bangladesh and he was a telecommunications engineer and he wasn't getting any interviews um but we just put a little and this isn't a silver bullet for everybody but it's a general thing to illustrate we gave context we said um, planning and planning communications towers in an environment where there's flooding, there's massive shifts in population, there's monsoons, um, and just describe the environment. And then he started to get interviews because people thought, well, if you can do that there, it's a lot different in Australia, a lot easier in Australia. And sometimes that locally, that's what's the missing bit sometimes is being able to go, well, this is what it's like here, paint a picture of that you know tell people because a lot of local candidates uh there's assumed knowledge right but they don't give that context so it's just one little tip there's lots of other things um you know that that you can do as well but sometimes there's, there's some you know there's a lot of stuff that you do overseas it's more advanced than we do here but we do not know that so you know it's that kind of context
1: And it's it's actually great. So I'm just going to say one thing. It's great that you said that because I think that's where cover letters are becoming more um, influential now than they were maybe six months to a year ago. Um, Cover letters are becoming more prominent, and that is where you would kind of explain exactly as you said. Yeah. You know, this is why I'm a standout candidate. Yeah. Even though I'm from overseas. So that's a great point to make.
0: Yeah. Thank you. All right, one last question we'll sneak in because we're actually coming up to, um, to the time, unfortunately, which means that we'll have to have you on again, Nami, and put you on. Oh, the I'd love to. <laughs> okay. All right, from Achita. Um, should skills in resumes be put just as bullet points and achievements be highlighted with each employment experience or should skills be more descriptive and presented separately? Um, great, great question. Yeah. Um, and
1: probably something that you, you might be better at answering, Carolyn, than me. Yeah. Um, but I always say, look, when you're doing, and I, and I think this is within the shift in the way resumes are viewed nowadays, is that people don't want to see job descriptions anymore. They mm. want to see numbers. They want to see hard facts. They want to see achievements. Um, mm. So if it's a great skill set, I would actually put it in a separate kind of these are my skills and mm. also list the proficiency and what you've achieved from those skill sets. Um, and under each kind of employment, you'd be going, this is what I've achieved in this role doing mm. this particular kind of subset skill. Um, but like I said, you're probably in a better position to advise on that one than myself.
0: Yeah, absolutely. People want to see achievements and... Um You know, the value that you've delivered in each role more so um, than just listing what you've done off your job description, whether you put them with each employment experience or keep them separate is a bit contextual as well, depending on the job. Um, A lot of resumes, I might tend to have like a small profile that matches up to the competencies and pull them out of each job. Um, but it does depend on what you're actually going for as well. Some organisations say, you know, maximum two-page resume and yeah. you've got to be very sort of con- concise and precise about where you put things. So it really does depend on the job. Last question, and you will love this one. Amit <laughs> wants to know, do you have a book or are you planning to print one with the output of 4,887 4, internet? There's your job title, your book title, Nami. <laughs> Great question.
1: I actually do have a book, um, number one in, number one Amazon bestselling book. Um, it's called Are You Prepared? Quick Guide uh-huh. to a Successful Interview.
0: Yep.
1: So it is on Amazon and there is a second and third book coming up throughout the course of this year as well, all based on interview questions and and tips and successes and all the rest of it. So keep an eye out for that one.
0: Excellent. You heard it first here? No, we did hear it. So, okay. Um, what's, last question, just sort of a nice wrap-up for people yeah. and something for them to take away. How do you work with people to get the best out of them? So what's a good, what's your coaching methodology that, that helps people?
1: Look, I, the way I actually start off is by having an interview with them. So the first thing they ever do with me is an interview. Yeah. Um, I will then kind of pick that apart as they're going, say, you know, you could have answered this better, you could have answered that better. Um, I, and this is just a little tip for you guys out there, any competency-based questions, make sure you answer it based on the STAR method. Um, Mm -hmm. So always use that. Um, And that's situation, task, action, and result. Um, And if you can base your questions around that, you will be successful at any interviews because that gives the interviewer everything they want to know. Um, Mm -hmm. So that's a little tidbit for you guys. Um, And then I will also go into more confidence, so how they're presenting themselves, so their body language. Um, Even on videos, a lot of people nowadays are, how do you present body language? So that's another thing I will go to. and look, Mike, I'm pretty much available to my candidates from the time they sent, like, signed me on, till the time after they finish their interviews to help them out with any last minute nerves, any last minute mind blanks, which unfortunately does tend to happen. Um, but for me, it's yes, it's about structuring your answers, but I like to make sure that your personality 100% shines through at the interview because that is key to a lot of interviews. Is how your personality shines through.
0: Mm. Yeah, I think, you know, never underestimate the um, impact of actually having a coach on this sort of stuff. We have coaches for running, we have coaches for, you know, wellness, we have coaches, mm. trainers, but investing in something like interview coaching, um, if you struggle with interviews, um, it pays off. Yeah. The more, the more you, the more you um, put yourself in that situation that, you know, might be fearful for you, the more confident um, you can um appear and the more relaxed and let you, you know, letting your personality shine through. Uh-huh. Okay. Nami, thank you so much for today. It's been fantastic to talk to you. And I'm just getting a lot of comments from people about, thank you for the response. Fantastic response. When's it coming out? You know, <laughs> so I guess that means you've made an impression. So thank
1: oh, you thank you. Thank you. I've had so much fun. Um, look, you've got my website, com, or if there's anything else, reach out to me on LinkedIn. Um, and I'm always happy to, you know, connect with you guys on LinkedIn and help out where I can.
0: Fantastic. But thank you so much. No, it's been a pleasure. So just a couple of things before we wrap up. um Nash and I want to get our hashtag trending. I don't know. I think we need more than, I <laughs> know, scary. No, kidding. But we do have a, ha- um, a hashtag to follow for Career Care Package and that's hashtag Career Care Package. So if you want to keep up to date or just see past shows, recent past shows, please follow that hashtag. If you want to get notified daily, I'll put the link to um, sign up to um, get daily email of what's coming up so you don't miss a show um, on Career Care Package. I'll put that in the link. And I think that's it. Tomorrow um, we're talking about something, Nation, I've been talking about a lot is really around where you want to focus your efforts on LinkedIn. So a little bit of a discussion about engagement versus actually how to how to stand out and how to reach decision-makers directly, because I think ultimately that's the hardest part and um, people need a lot of help with that. So don't miss out on that show. And until then, um, I'll say goodbye and um, we'll see you tomorrow. And thanks again, Nami. It was great Pleasure. to you. Thank you so much. Take care. Bye, everyone.
1: Thank you everyone for listening to the Your Career Down Under show. Hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you want to know more about how Your Career Down Under can help you, please reach out to us on www.yourcareerdownunder.com.au and if you have got a question about today's episode or if you want us to do a particular show on a particular topic, please reach out to us. We would love to do that.